Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the pastor's study. There's a story that the pastor said he was going to preach on the New Testament story when Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. And somebody said, well, pastor, what's your sermon title? And he said, deviled ham, ba-dum-bump. Well, what we're going to talk about this morning on this show, that is, the story of the day, Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. There's a lot to learn from this story. Would you take out a Bible? Turn with me to Mark chapter 5, and let's learn all we can from the demons and the pigs, Mark chapter 5. Let's pray first. Father, we do live in a world filled with unseen demons, angels, all kinds of forces that most of us are oblivious to. We pray, Lord, you would speak to us now how Jesus can deliver us from every demon, and it's his name in which we pray. Amen. Let's learn the lessons. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They, Jesus and the disciples, came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Here's the first lesson today. Demons exist. That was universally believed until about the 1900s. Then many in the church became too intelligent to believe in demons. But back when Martin Luther in the 1500s in Germany was alive, almost everybody believed in demons. That's why Martin Luther wrote the famous hymn, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word, Jesus, can fell him. <laughs> so demons exist. Now, the, the question is, where did the demons come from? And our best guess is demons are probably the fallen angels. If you read Jude 6, 2 Peter chapter 2, it talks about the angels who fell, the angels who rebelled against God. Probably the fallen angels are what became the demons in the New Testament. Back to the story. Mark 5, verse 3. And this demoniac had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Here's the next lesson. Satan can give supernatural strength. Just because somebody has powerful supernatural powers does not mean they're from God. The devil can do miracles. I mean, they say that Mary Baker Eddy, founder of the Christian science cult, could do miracles. Well, maybe she could. That doesn't mean she's from God. The devil can do miracles. Uh, some years ago, even though I'm old, er, 
I still now and then will stay in a youth hostel because it's so cheap. So I was out sightseeing in Massachusetts, and there's a youth hostel. It's this, it's this big old house. The nice old lady lives in the first level, but she lets out the top part for a youth hostel. I had it all to myself. And this nice old lady is showing me my room, and, and sh what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, isn't that wonderful? You're a pastor. I'm a Christian scientist. And she went downstairs. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what should I do? She's a Christian scientist, follower of Mary Baker Eddy. Should I go downstairs and tell her about that religion? And then I thought, well, you know, it's a separate space. She's got her home, and I'm up here. And, but I prayed for her. And then, and I opened the door, tray of food. Here, Pastor, I made you dinner. Can I come in? So she came in, gave me the food, and we had a talk. And she said, well, the reason I believe in Christian science is because it healed my father. And I tried to make the point, listen, Christian science is a cult. Mary Baker Eddy didn't believe sin exists. If there is no sin in the world, why did Jesus die on the cross? Disease doesn't exist. It's all, it's, sin and sickness are all a figment of your imagination. And I tried to make the point, just because somebody can do a miracle doesn't mean they're from God. The way you tell if somebody is from God is if they line up with the New Testament. And the version of Jesus that Mary Baker Eddy presents is not the New Testament Jesus. Just because somebody can do a miracle doesn't mean they're from God. Look at verse 5. Constantly, night and day, the demoniac was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Here's the next lesson. Satan's goal is to destroy you. Satan's goal is to dash you with stones. There's a story that a, bo a busload of tourists were being led through Israel. The Israeli tour guide at the front with the microphone says, now you'll notice something here in Israel. The shepherds in Israel always lead the sheep. If you go to other countries, the shepherds drive the sheep in front of them. But here in Israel, the shepherds always lead the sheep. They come over the hill and they come across a, a man driving a herd of sheep in front of him. And the tour guide stopped the bus and he got out and he said, I've never seen this in Israel. You know, in Israel, our shepherds always lead the sheep. Why are you driving the sheep from behind? And the man said, because I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. I'm driving them to market for slaughter. You know what Satan does? He tries to make you think he's the shepherd. Follow me and you'll be happy. And then you do and he's, he's butchering you. Satan's job is to destroy you. Look at, uh, oh, before we leave this, his, Satan's job is to destroy you. His job is also to destroy the church. Do you know that Satan in some sectors is destroying the church? Hot off the press. The Ethiopian Evangelical Lutheran Church is severing its relationship with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and the Church of Sweden because they promote homosexuality. The Church of Sweden, the Lutheran Church of Sweden, the head bishop now is a partnered lesbian. So God bless the Ethiopian uh, Lutheran Church and they're saying, we're not going to fellowship with these heretics anymore. Well, the predictable kumbaya response from the ELCA. 
The ELCA and the Church of Sweden, we are not locking the doors from our side, Ethiopians. It is open for you when you decide it's time to resume our journey together. It is our hope that in the near future, we will again walk together in Christian love. And then head bishop of the ELCA, Mark Hansen, very liberal bishop, says this. He is deeply troubled by what the Ethiopian church has done. We are not of one mind on issues, but we are one in Christ. <laughs> well, now wait a minute. Mark Hansen is deeply troubled. Bishop Hansen, are you deeply troubled that the ELCA pays for abortions with offering dollars? You've never said you're deeply troubled by that. Mark Hansen, and I encourage you to do this, go to go to herchurch.org and you'll find a Lutheran church in San Francisco in full fellowship with the ELCA. They worship the goddess Sophia. The woman pastor has had her women take clay and make an Asherah statue so they can worship the forbidden divine feminine. Bishop Hansen, are you troubled by that? You've never said a word against it. In fact, the ELCA website defends that church. How about the fact that you, Bishop Hansen, went to the gay lobby last summer and preached to the Reconciling Works group, the gay lobby in the ELCA, and instead of preaching repentance to the practicing homosexuals, you congratulated them for helping change the church policy now, they, now that the ELCA has practicing homosexual pastors. Are you troubled by that, Bishop Hansen? Oh, yeah, yeah. My point is the devil's job is to destroy you and to destroy the church. And in some of our mainline denominations, the devil is winning. Next verse, verse 5. Verse 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance, the demoniac ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Here's the next lesson. Demons can have supernatural knowledge. Now follow this. When Jesus was on earth, nobody knew he was God. The disciples didn't even get that till after the resurrection. And Thomas says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. But the demoniacs knew it all along. So my point is, just because someone has supernatural knowledge does not mean they are from God. I saw her again on TV this week, the very popular psychic Sylvia. Or have you seen this, this guy on TV? Uh, it's an awful TV show that I think now is off the air called Crossing Over. He'll be in front of the studio audience. Uh, you're, stand up. Your mother is giving me a message from the grave. And your mother, and then everybody starts crying. Well, what's going on? Well, either it's chicanery. Or the, the, the psychic is tapping into supernatural knowledge, but it's not from God. And listen, your dead mother is not on earth trying to give you messages through a psychic. She's in heaven or hell. But you know what maybe the psychics are tapping into? Demonic knowledge. And the Bible says it's an abomination to do witchcraft, sorcery, uh, spiritism, psychics. Get rid of that stuff because they're not contacting dead Uncle Joe. They're in demonic or they're chicanery. Recently, a, a while ago, some lady said to me, Pastor Tom, have you seen the angel lady? No. I, well, there's this lady on the radio called the angel lady, and she says every person has two angels. I said, well, the Bible says everybody has one guardian angel. Well, no, she says you're supposed to pray to your angel. I said, no, no, no. The Bible says you only pray to God. But you know what's happening? The New Age movement is co-opting angels. 
And now angels are your spirit guides. No, they're not. Your guide is the Bible. Your God is the Holy Spirit. Your guide is not some angel or some demon or dead Uncle Joe. Again, the, the, just because somebody has supernatural knowledge doesn't mean they're from God. It can be demonic knowledge. Look at verse 7. The demon says to Jesus, I implore you by God, do not torment me. Here's the next lesson. Demons can use God language. Now this is a weird verse. You've got the demon saying to Jesus, please swear to God, you're not going to torment me. Kind of weird. <laughs> uh, the point is, don't be fooled when people use God talk. That doesn't mean they're from God. So I'm getting on a train in Italy, and sadly, the Mormon missionaries are all over Italy. And so they start to try to evangelize me, and we believe in the Bible. And I tried to politely say, no, you don't. The Bible teaches there's one God. Mormons teach there are thousands of gods. The Bible teaches God has always been God. From everlasting to everlasting, I am God. Mormons believe God became God on another planet. And you might say you believe in the Bible. Your real book is the Book of Mormon, and it's a $3 bill because it contradicts Scripture. Just because somebody can use God language doesn't mean they're from God. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil? The, de the devil quoted the Bible at Jesus. <laughs> Just because somebody can quote the Bible doesn't mean they're from God. You know, there's a saying, Jehovah's Witnesses, they can quote the Bible backwards and forwards, mostly backwards. This is why it's crucial for you as a Christian, I hope you read your Bible every day. If you don't, you'll get duped by these other voices. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When I was a boy in Omaha, my dad ran the horse race track. And in the summer, my job was to go in the back room with about 20 other people, and we would count money all day from the racetrack. And you really got the feel of a dollar bill in your hands. And you'd be counting, and all of a sudden, something felt funny. It was too smooth. And you'd look at it, and it was a counterfeit. The reason I could spot the counterfeit is because I knew the real item so well. <laughs> Listen, get the feel of these pages between your fingers. Read your Bible every day, and you're going to be able to spot the counterfeit like that. Just because somebody quotes the Bible does not mean they're from God. The devil quoted the Bible at Jesus. Verse 8. For Jesus had been saying to the demoniac, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And the demoniac said to Jesus, My name is Legion, for we are many. Next lesson is, a person can have multiple demons, a Roman legion was 6,000 men, so this guy is messed up. Um, let me say this. If you think you might have a demon, call your church and ask, do they have a deliverance ministry at your church? You've really got to hunt them down because even in the Twin Cities, I know of two. But do you have a group of, of people that will pray over you and even cast things out if you need to? Jesus did that, and the disciples did that regularly. All right, before we go on to the next verse, though, Luke also tells the same story, but his version contains a detail that is not found in Mark. And, and, and here's what it says. The demoniac says to Jesus, don't send us to the abyss. Well, if you read Matthew 25, 
it says that at the end of time, unbelievers will be thrown into the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. So the demons know that their fate is going to be that lake of fire. And the demoniac in Luke anyway says, don't send us to that place. And, and Jesus doesn't send them to that place. He's going to send them to the pigs in a minute. The reason Jesus doesn't send the demons to hell is they won't be in hell until the end. You know, a lot of people think the devil and the demons live in hell right now. They don't. First Peter says Satan right now is roaming the earth looking for someone to devour. They won't be in hell until the last day. Uh, look at verse 10. And he began to implore Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine, so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Here's the next lesson. Satan destroys. He's out to destroy pigs. He's out to destroy you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd, but... The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Again, Satan's job is to kill you. There was a farm boy who had a strange hobby. <laughs> he would take cow manure and make sculptures out of it. And then he would bake it in the sun and then he would paint it. And it looked, I mean, he could take a pound of, of cow dung and shape it into an apple, bake it in the sun and paint it red and it looked just like an apple. But don't bite into that apple. And see, that's what Satan's job is. Satan is to take sin, put it before you, and make it look real pretty so that you eat and you die. That's Satan's job. Look at verse 14. The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Here's the main lesson for this story. Jesus delivered from demons. You know, I bet there are a lot of people watching this TV show, and you could tell a story of something awful, evil, demonic in your life. Jesus set you free from that. I think that's the main teaching of the New Testament. Jesus delivers from demons. And I don't think he just does it once. The, the, the longer I follow Christ, the more mature I get in Christ, the more of my sin he delivers me from. Verse 16. Those who had seen it described to them how it all happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they, the townspeople, began to implore Jesus to leave their region. <laughs> Here's the next lesson. Jesus can affect your economy. And these people don't like that. And Jesus, you just killed 2,000 of our pigs. You're affecting our livestock. Would you leave? Do you let Jesus affect your economy? There's a story of a man who was about to be baptized one Sunday morning. And right as the service starts, he says, Oh, Pastor, I, I, I got to run home. I'm sorry. Can you hold the baptism for just a few minutes? He runs home, finally comes back, and, Okay, Pastor, I'm ready to be baptized. Well, what were you doing? And he said, well, I went home and, and I, I, I got my wallet because I want you to baptize my wallet with me. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Have you let God baptize your wallet? Do you tithe? Does 10% of your money go to the Lord? 
And above tithing, do you give offerings? Do you, above the 10%, do you give to missions and other things too? If you don't let God touch your wallet, it shows you don't trust God to take care of you. Next lesson. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. Here's the next lesson. Be a missionary at home. God doesn't call every Christian to go to Africa. Every Christian, though, is to go home and be a missionary at home. And what do we say to our family and friends to convert them to Christ? Well, that's the next part of verse 19. Here's what we tell people. Go home and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Here we go. Our main message when we evangelize people is, the Lord had mercy on me. When you try to convert a relative or a friend, don't get into Adam and Eve versus, versus evolution. versus get, you, know, you don't try to prove Noah in the ark or, or Jonah in the fish. You go right to the fact, I'm a sinner and the Lord had mercy on me. He died on the cross for my sins. The cross, the mercy of God. I remember once a lady came up to me after church. You know, Pastor Brock, when you preach you know, the law of God and judgment and, and hell, it doesn't do much for me. But when you preach the mercy of God, I start to cry. <laughs> well, listen, we need both. We need the law and the gospel, but the main thing we share with people is, I'm a sinner, the Lord had mercy on me, Jesus has died for my sins, I'm saved. That's the main message. Verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. I, I want you to notice something important here. In verse 19, Jesus says, go tell people what the Lord did for you. And verse 20 says, so he went away and told what Jesus did for him. Which, and here's the big lesson from that, Jesus is the Lord. The Bible teaches Jesus is the Lord God. Again, it's easy. Remember John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. Those three chapters teach that Jesus is God. So if Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door saying Jesus is not God, he's not eternal, you bring up in your mind John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, teach that Jesus is the Lord God. Those are the lessons from the day Jesus drove the demons into the pigs. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we start with this last sermon you just talked mm -hmm. about? First of all, you mentioned Satan and you mentioned devil. Which is correct or why do we have two references? Uh, let's see. Devil is diabolos, a Greek word. Satan is satanas, and I think the word Satan, satanas, is the one that means the accuser. The devil's job is to accuse us. If it says in the book of Revelation, Satan accuses us before God's throne night and day. But how do we overcome him? And it says they overcame him by two things. The word of their testimony, that I do believe in Christ. And number two, the blood of the Lamb. So whenever Satan accuses you of your past sins or it's something you did today, you say, well, Satan, I put it under the blood of Christ. He paid for that sin. I'm, I'm saved. You can use either word. The New Testament does. Satan or devil is fine. Same thing, same person. They mean the same. Yeah. All right. 
Um, you also talked about having a demon, and you talked about the demons and the devil are not in hell. But right. there are people in hell, correct? Yes. If you, read, if you read Luke 16, 15, it's, I always get those confused. It's either chapter 15 or 16 in Luke. When you die, these two people die, one immediately goes to heaven and one immediately goes to hell. Right. There's people in hell. Right. The devil right now is roaming the earth, it says. But people think that there's somebody ruling hell. And in Let's talk about that. People think the devil is in charge of hell, ruling hell. The Bible never says that. My guess is, Jackie, Satan won't rule hell. He will be on the bottom rung in hell, being ruled by, you know, everything else. So. Okay, so how can you tell if you have a demon? And, you know, the, the, you've got to pray for a balance. Some people see demons behind every bush, and I need to cast the demon of nicotine out of somebody that smokes. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about a demon of nicotine. On the other hand, some people don't see a demon anywhere. They don't believe in their existence. The, the proper balance is, I guess I would say this, you know, we all have sins that we struggle with. That doesn't mean you have a demon. It means you have your human flesh, your, mm -hmm. your, your original sin you got from Adam. Um, but if something is absolutely life-controlling and, and weird, you might want to think about getting what's called deliverance ministry. Yeah. Okay, and you said they're hard to find in the Twin Cities. Yeah, they are. I know okay. a few, but they're, they're hard to find. All right. So if the devil does do supernatural things, how do we know if something is from the God, from God, mm -hmm. or from the devil? Right. Let's say, Jackie, you tonight have an angel float into your bedroom telling you to kill your daughter. It's an angel. Well, how do we know that that's not an angel telling you to kill your daughter? Well, because Paul says in Galatians 1, uh, even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel different from the night preach to you, let him be cursed. So the, 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 the verse that gets sneaky is the Bible says Satan can appear like an angel of light. So again, the, the answer, how do you know who's who? Does it line up with scripture? Every time Satan inappropriately quoted the Bible to Jesus, Jesus appropriately quoted the Bible back to him. So we need to read the Bible. If the, if the, if the, if the angel tells you to kill your daughter and the Bible says thou shalt not kill, well, that's a pretty easy one, you know. Mm -hmm. So know your Bible. Okay. One quick last question before we go. You talked a little bit about tithing. Is tithing in the Old Testament thing, or are Christians nowadays required well, to Well, you know, you don't, in the Old Testament, you were required to give 10% of your flock and et cetera to God. So in the New Testament, there's not a clear, well, actually, Jesus tells the Pharisees, you should have done the justice and mercy stuff without not doing the tithing. So Jesus does rather endorse tithing. I would say, here's my response. Because I had a guy say, well, Pastor Brock, that's Old Testament. In other words, I don't have to tithe, this is his point. And I said, well, wait a minute. The, New, the Old Testament Jew knew this much about the love of God, and he was to tithe. We know now, New Testament, this much about the love of God. Hmm, do you think I should give less or more than the Old Testament Jew? I think at least tithing, Jackie. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We invite you to look at our website at the end of the program. It's pastorsstudy, all one word, two S's, dot org. And you should send that link to your friends if you like one of our sermons and you'd like them to hear what Pastor Brock has talked about. All of our shows are there. We thank you for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. 
You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.